Hi, welcome back to Plus This. I'm Kathy Deach. And I'm Nikki Bailey. And we are so thrilled to have you here. So thrilled. Did you miss us? We were away. We missed it. We missed like a week, right? Yeah, 4th of July. Okay. And, Did you get and your party on? What happened? The earth shook. Okay. We didn't we weren't on the air and the, the earth and shook. And there was an earthquake. And they, they just couldn't handle it. We're on the air here when the second one for sure happens. <gasps> it yeah. was everything like went Ryan was there, our engineer. Wow. And he's just gonna show us a video later. Oof. It it yeah. I mean I think maybe we felt it. And we're we, like, you know, we just need to chill. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. We knew ahead of time. Yeah. We planned it. We planned we planned the chill. <laughs> I did a lot of streaming binging i did fleabag oh that is my jam i'm now watching it for the third time nikki it's so good but i will tell you as a single person it's really it's calling me out a little too hard it's like ouch (laughs) stop seeing me and putting like pointing that out in me stop it and like some of the things the dad said to her and she said i mean i just was like it's so good and so painful at the same time like it's it's cringeworthy and laugh and and laugh laugh out loud funny it's so good such a great show and she's so brilliant oh yeah it's just good and anyway so i did that and then like was questioning my life choices and then <laughs> i um went on to rami um, oh and he is just like a delightful little cupcake can i tell so i did an after show for the for rami oh, you did and that show is on so many levels deep i mean yeah. can i just tell you first of all you never we have never seen like an average millennial muslim kid no have a life on television absolutely not and and the way that he so beautifully tackles what it means to be Muslim American in this time period, all of the what's so everyday and all the what's so extraordinary, it's such a brilliant show. It's, if he does not get Emmy Award for that. I know. I, 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 I know they pressed it really hard. Mm-hmm. I saw him everywhere, which is why I knew about it. Mm-hmm. And he's just adorable. I just don't know, like if that has caught on like I don't know I feel like everybody should watch it especially because it shows how just like Christians just like Jews Mm -hmm. we all show up in our faith in different ways and in my 20s I definitely treated my faith in one way and you did in your 20s you know what I mean like we um as Christians like also go through those periods of like trying to rediscover our religion and like have it bring something right. to us who do i want to be i mean it's yeah. the it's the question that we all no matter what your experience is we're all asking that question who do i want to be and how do i be that person and live in a in a in sort of um in alignment with those values when i'm not even sure which parts i believe and which parts i want to believe and yeah. which parts i want it's such such a yeah. well done show and it doesn't even matter like ethnically religiously like you know whatever it's such a great show and no matter where you come from whatever walk of life you can relate to i definitely think so but and yet also the lens is so specific like imagine going through that and not having christianity like what if christianity was like everyone thought you were crazy and uh, going to blow them up at any given time like that was really 
like and that you'd be laughing 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 at his struggle and be like oh he's trying to figure it out and then like something terrible like right and i'm like as a christian that would never happen to me yeah yeah well that one of the things that was so great is that it's it's the mo- it was so specific to this one individual man's experience and yet we could relate to it so it, yes. it i mean that and that's so hard to do from a creative standpoint. Yeah. Be that specific and that general at the same time. So they, it's yeah. a beautiful show. I'm, glad they, let, so I'm glad they let him be himself. Me too. Me too. Maybe we'll run into him one day. He's really cute. I I'm know somebody has, who knows him. I my, wonder if he yeah. has older siblings. My co-host and my other. He's too young for me, yeah. but he is a dish. He is a dish. And yeah. he's so charming. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Anyway, hey, we, that wasn't even on our run of show. That's no. just hilarious. We just were talking you about know TV. who we have, Dr. Sabrina Strings. <gasps> Dr. Sabrina Strings. She is the author of uh, Fearing the Black Body, and uh, which is a book that talks about how fat phobia actually came from like racism and and from and from white that supremacy. It, from, <laughs> yeah, from white supremacy, and it and she traces the history of fat phobia back through sort of like race science and and the sort of biases that have existed in science from the beginning. Um, she brings in some philosophy, some Foucault. I mean, she's just, yeah. it's amazing. It's an, it was it's, uh, an, an incredibly, in, like, all-inclusive. Yeah. I was just saying to her, it's like we've read all of these things that people have been exploring about fat phobia and heard the history and heard different pieces. Right. And it's like she took all the cards and, like, put them in yeah. one neat deck. It was – it's it's really um, – what is the word I'm looking for? Like complete. It really leaves. It really is. Very and uh, I, I studied uh, critical race theory in graduate school, and that she can draw on. She, I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, she'll talk about how long it took her to write this book, but five the, years. She said the the number of resources and the the depth in which she dives into those yeah. resources just astounding. Just a little teaser, basically. It's the damn French. The damn French did it. Them Frenches. <laughs> you know them Frenches. I can't ugh, I'm gonna talk about that. Um, also, oh, this isn't on the run of show either because it just happened. Uh-huh. Bring but it, talk about it. Jason Momoa. How y'all gonna come for How Jason Momoa? For How you gonna come for Aquaman? As fun as his behind is. So, Jason Momoa, between projects at the moment, on vacay with his fam. And people are taking pictures of him and they're saying that he's gone dad bod. And they're, like, judging the fact that he is not, like, super carved like he is in the Aquaman posters. So, first of all, we don't even know what Jason Momoa's stuff even really looks like anyway. Because we've only ever seen him on film. Where they can digitally alter anything they want. He's That's the first Aquaman. thing. He's Aquaman. He so. literally has, like, things drawn on him. And secondly, even his dad bod. Yeah. He can be as thick as he want to be. Okay. Uh, he can. Jason, you be as thick as you want to be. <laughs> Jason, let me get please. you a slice of pie, boo. <laughs> as long as you still you. Because you fine as you want to be. Don't I matter mean, what size or shape. And you want to know, lots of luck, everyone. Okay. Who's like, ew. Lots of luck. Right. Have fun in your life. Go right. try to find a Jason Momoa. And also, ew. like, like Jason Momoa cares what you think. Exactly. Okay? Like, like, he's just... He's he and Lisa Bonet chilling with their little kids. That's right. Not Lisa Bonet. Yes. Is her name 
No. That's not her name anymore. Oh, well, that's not true. Maybe it is. She no, what's, some her daughter, point, what's her daughter's name? Wait a minute. He's not with Lisa Dom... Is yes. he with her daughter? No. Zoe... That's Zoe um, Kravitz. I thought he was with Zoe no, Kravitz. No, he's with Lisa Bonet. She's who at some fierce. point in life... Okay. changed her name to Lilikai Moon. Okay. And I think oh, she's she back is. to Lisa Bonet I now. I mean, she's yeah. fierce. Oh. Denise Huxtable is not to be played <laughs> with. Been, for this entire time... I've been thinking that. I mean, really. No, so Lisa Bonet is Zoe Kravitz's mom. I know. <laughs> I know. And this whole time. Oh, you thought that I Jason Momoa yes. was dating. Zo- oh, no. Lisa I mean, Bonet, look, get your get, life. Like, look, Lisa, Lisa Bonet, Bonet was like um, Lenny Kravitz, Jason Momoa. She'll breed with all of them. Okay. <laughs> and and look, it doesn't matter who she's with. She's going to make a beautiful she baby. Makes, she does. I got, mean, stunning. Come on. Stunning. stunning. She is. She's just. She is. She's amazing. Everything. Yeah. And I'm anyway. so glad she's back on TV again. So, yeah. I love her. She's yeah. a great actor. So good. She's a great actor. Um, there also was an incident on an airline, which I frequent, American Airlines, because it's the only one that goes to Philly straight through. Uh, mm-hmm. And there, it was. She was a doctor, by the way. A doctor. Who gets on, on the plane? A cute little. We have even have our picture of it. Little alter, little little halter jumper. Yeah, looking just adorable on her yeah. way home from ba- vacation. Yeah, or, or two. I don't remember which direction. And how about the airline people? The the flight attendant is going to say that she's not dressed appropriately because of what? Like because she's got on it's shorts and a and a halter yeah. top, uh, and they made her deplane. And before they would let her get back on the plane, they made her wrap herself in a blanket. Do you know what her crime was? Traveling fat and black. Mm-hmm. And she ain't even fat. She's not she fat. Just a little, she's a little thick. She's not fat. She looked good. I mean, I mean, not to say that fat doesn't look good, but whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? But she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's, she's not fat. Um, but, you know, I'm guessing that, the, that this flight attendant saw, you know, but in shorts and I don't know what she thought like honestly like mind your business especially Nikki since I have seen the trifling hose I mean I'm on fire today the trifling hose trife who have been on flights Mm. on American airline flights this the white people in their pajamas in their pajamas in like things that don't even cover their butts okay just putting like vagina on a seat i have seen bikini tops on airplanes and not a peep not a peep not a peep Mm -mm. so i don't know when american airlines all of a sudden well you know it was that flight attendant (sighs) Uh, But, but she had to be backed up she had to be backed up well here's the thing right the flight attendant says something and then the rest of the crew has to be on board with whatever she says because otherwise it undermines her authority. And so now now everybody has to support what she says. Holding up a flight because she doesn't like the outfit this woman is exactly. wearing. Exactly. And she was complying and saying, what do I have to do to get on the flight? And the woman, she said three different times she said that. Mm-hmm. Just tell me what you need. And the woman's like, I really don't want a, you to be causing trouble. Like... Right. I, and this woman is a doctor. Yeah. I mean, oh, you should be so lucky. You know, I mean, it's like, it's that whole respectability politics. You know, like, I mean, th- black people are told that in order to be acceptable in white society, we have to be well-educated and speak properly like me and all this stuff. And yet, even when we do that, you'll kick us off an airplane for what she's wearing. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't even get, 
you're probably hotter about it than I am at this point. I don't even I don't even know how to I don't even have the energy to get upset about stuff anymore. It's mm, just like No, I'm all ugh. upset all the time. <laughs> you are. I really am. I've and never you, you tweet with a like with an aggressive vengeance. Oh no. All if of you're it. not following Kathy on Twitter, get your life. I retweet everything you need to know about. Everything that's I don't horrible. even watch CNN. I just follow her everything on Twitter. that someone's preaching about. I will retweet like a mofo. Mm-hmm. And then I will put my two cents in every yes, now does. and then. Yes, she... And she'll start it off with, I just want to say. <laughs> and you're like, girl, you only got 280 characters. Or, you start... <laughs> or the two things I walked away from this were. Yes. So please go find at Kathy Deach on the Twitters because you will get your life. Ridiculous. And learn. There was a happy thought. There was a happy thing that happened. Happy, happy. And we got to watch it together, which yes, was my favorite Yes, we did a thing. reaction video. We did on Instagram. We watched the new Miley Cyrus Mother's Daughter video. Y'all, Miley brought that shit. She let everybody have it. She brought it. She didn't care. Shook nope. her. She, she had it. she had claws on her of the JJ. It's exactly what I was just gonna say. <laughs> she was like, I got a I got a zipper claw of the okay. JJ. What you gonna do? It looks okay. like a clawed zipper. <laughs> she didn't care. Okay. And, and you know, Molly don't care no way. No, way. she doesn't anyway. Mm-mm. And and what I love about her is that she'll go big and then if she messes up, she also apologizes big. Like she And she seems to learn about learn yeah, from her. And she learns she things, does, yeah. which I enjoy. Yeah. I don't mind if people make mistakes if they come correct. Do I you agree. know what I mean? Yeah. In the same strength. And she always does. I agree. Like she'll mess up and then like on the other side of it, like like go overboard, like trying to yeah. make sense of things. And and will publicly say how she made the mistake and what you know, like yeah. I, I like that about her too. And I you know, it's a great, it is going to be, because Kathy said this is her summer bop. Is this going to, well, after Lizzo, obviously. Uh, obviously. We haven't mentioned Lizzo There's this Lizzo. episode yet. <laughs> I have something to say about that in a second. Um, but I will say that Miley Cyrus did have a beautiful, gorgeous, plus naked, nude, plus size model in a chaise as part of her video, which is why, on top of all of the other amazing, like, just set, dressing like all the styling of it was incredible and it was beautiful it really was stunning we both kind of had the same feeling though like even the multi-abled people in the video were allowed to move and the fat woman woman just lay there there. being beautiful which you know uh, that everybody can't do everything and everything right and yet it would have been nice yeah i mean you know what i liked about it it was very obviously uh, referring to art, you yes, know, it was like it was very obviously absolutely. a reference to. I don't even know art well enough to say yeah. what art it I mean, was it a reference like a to, but it had a Renaissance, had a Renaissance thing. thing. Yeah, so it was obviously a that's Bocelli. what they were doing. Hmm? Like yeah, Bocelli kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Bocelli. I don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> it's okay. Go watch it. It's awesome. It's so we posted it on our page. Yeah. Duh. Don't, but for now, stay. But then after, you could go scroll our page and like all our stuff. We posted a lot in last week's. And then the cutest, the cutest thing happened. So there's this great brand, Navabi. And I follow them, and they have gorgeous clothes. They don't always have the, they're very like small, fat, plus, like traditional plus Mm -hmm. models. But their clothes are really dope. And I thought it was really sweet that they did this project. They took kids in a fashion program and 
gave them mock-ups. So mock-ups are sort of like the figure of a woman, and then you sort of draw clothes around it. And, you know, I went to... Uh, I took some art classes at uh, college when I was in high school and I did figure drawing and all of my drawings looked like me. They were all chubby. Except for, no, she literally, my teacher was like, no, that's not nice. <laughs> like she, and she asked me what I wanted to do and I was like, oh, I really think I want to do fashion. And she was like, well, you can't have, you can't draw people chubby if you want to do fashion. You know what? <laughs> she really stopped anything. me. I had a she voice really teacher. Stopped me. I had a voice teacher tell me I was path. too fat to be a singer. So I mean, that's they'll, the craziest they'll find person. anyway. That's the craziest thing yeah. I've ever heard in my whole life. I've She's never met crazy. a fat girl that couldn't sing. Okay. Please show me. <laughs> show me. Come to the table if you're out there. Every fat bitch sings. Anyway, but um, <laughs> it's so true though. I mean, Rachel Kafaro, you also, I'm sorry, Rachel Kafaro. That's my college friend, Renee Kafaro. Oh my God, everything's like crisscrossed in my brain. But um, so this program, so they, so the kids drew them on like rounder, curvier bodies, mm-hmm. and then they made the clothes for so them. So it was so cute. These kids went to they they designed clothing for bigger women, and it's and then their teachers tried them on, which was adorable. And the Bobby was like, "Here's your thing." Yeah. And I love the one with the uh, you know there was one actual plus size teacher in a little jean skirt mm-hmm. short situation, and she was adorable. It's a very, it's such a cute, it, it was like heartwarming. It was like, it was. you never get to have a, like, it's so rare that we get to have like a heartwarming, good, I know. like fat story. Someone being good, good to the kids about fat. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get to it when, when Dr. But let's, Strings We're going to take here. a little break. So we, um, finally, on the 4th, if you came and looked for us and we weren't there, we did post our video for uh, hashtag stop the biggest loser. I know a couple of people who have shared it, which I really, really appreciate. Please share it, blow it up, make your own video, hashtag the crap out of that, talk to your friends. We don't want anyone to do the show. Yeah, don't submit. Like, <laughs> don't just, submit. Just boycott it. Yeah, spread the word. We just we need we need the mainstream entertainment media to know. You can't keep trying to kill us yeah. and expect us to watch and pay, you know, like you're advertising to us while you while you're allowing us to torture ourselves. I can't do it. No, no, no. So so yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna stop it. Stop yeah. the biggest loser. So Hashtag. in case you missed it, here's the video, our PSA, which you're welcome to share. And when we're back, we'll have Dr. Strings in the seat. Hi, it's the Gals and Plus this. I'm Kathy Deach. And I'm Nikki Bailey. And uh, we just heard some really interesting news. Y'all, they are trying to bring back the biggest loser. There was a casting notice sent out to several of our friends. They are claiming that this time they're going to include wellness and health. Let me just remind you what the biggest loser is. It was the show that featured fat people being tortured to lose weight. And as a very, very smart friend of ours just said, basically treats fat people like they're in a minstrel show. We want there to be a movement to just say no. To, I, we want them to not find one contestant. We want them to be like, how come we don't have anybody who wants to be on this show? We're asking you to share your story and your outrage by using the hashtag StopTheBiggestLoser. We're fat. We're human. We're worthy of love. And we do not deserve the kind of torture and violence that The Biggest Loser promotes. No contestants! None at all! The jig is up. So hashtag 
Stop the Biggest Loser. Stop the Biggest Loser. They're bringing the Biggest Loser back. They got a lot of news. Yes. yes. And we've started a, a movement to stop the Biggest yeah. Loser. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to... Oh, okay. I don't need to have the headset on. Not unless you want. Okay. No. Do you want them on? You, yeah, your hair looks good. Your so good. we're super excited because we have been joined in the studio by our special guest today. Y'all, you ain't ready. <laughs> you ain't even ready. Please welcome Dr. Sabrina String. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so we are so here. psyched that you're here. This book, Fearing the Black Body. I don't even know where to start. You, you just, I'm like, like I have to tell you, like I, like in my notes from the book, what, they're all, how did she write this without losing her mind? No. I cry, I'm like reading it crying and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and you, so t- how long did it take you to write it, first of all? So I've been thinking about the contents of the book for about 20 years, you know, wow. because it began with conversations with my grandmother, as I can tell you about later. But writing the book took about five years. And actually, it was cathartic. I was so happy to be able to work on something that was meaningful to people in my family and not just to myself. So when I finished the book, I was in tears. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I did this thing. Um, yeah, but wow. it's definitely difficult to read some portions of it. Yeah. It is. And, you know, with a provocative title like Fearing the Black Body, did you get any pushback on that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I began this project from the other direction because my original question was, why are white women dying to be thin? Right. Um, And again, this was inherited from my grandmother. So when the book was finally written and I was having conversations um, with people at uh, my publisher, there was definitely a lot of back and forth about the title. Yeah. But finally, we landed on this one, which I thought um, accurately represents the book. And the provocative uh, illustration that you found as well. Yeah. I mean, even that, like, people on our Instagram were like, whoa. Like, that was a real thing that someone did at that time. Right. In the 19th century. <laughs> yeah. I mean, many of us are familiar with Sarchi Bartman, who was the hot and dot Venus. And what we often learn about her was that she was put on display in various places in Europe. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that mostly what they were looking at was like the size of her buttocks or even the elongation of her labia. There has been an underrepresentation of the fact that so much of the concern surrounding her was that she was considered to be um, of, of excessive size. Um, some people even suggested that she was three yards and three quarters round and that this was one of the draws for the elite Europeans who were um, interested in finding out well what do black women look like because many of them had never seen a black woman in the 19th century okay can we talk let's talk about French people (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about French people so um, one thing that I found fascinating was that the French had my understanding of it might be like not that accurate I want you to absolutely correct me please if I'm wrong so French people were like on our land everybody's free here if you are from France Mm -hmm. everybody's free but in our colonies (laughs) we could totally put people in enslavement I just and then when they got minds who were Consider, I'm putting it in quotes, intellectuals to to make that okay. It was so obvious that 
like we need this in order to own the much as, as much of the globe as we can. So now we have to create this symptom that makes it okay. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? So the symptom of the black person is is that they're 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 not they're more animals than I mean, it yeah. just ugh. anyway, it, I mean in that's my bite-sized version of a very, very amazing. <laughs> yeah, dense text. I was going to say I don't think we've done this for the audience yet. So the the, the book is called "Fearing the Black Body: uh, The Racial Origins of Fat of Fat Phobia." So give us like your synopsis of like you know, because I, I don't want us to try to do that. Give yeah. us the synopsis for the audience so that they'll know what we're talking about. So for me, the takeaway from the book is this. We often think that fat phobia is rooted in health concerns. But actually, when we look at the historical record, what we find is that fat phobia is rooted in two things, race science and Protestantism. So as you were already talking about, Kathy, race science was built up as a mechanism to justify enslavement because slavery was lucrative. And so people wanted to feel like they were enlightened and also humanists, but they also wanted to continue to make that money, right? (sighs) So race science was a way of justifying slavery. And part of the race science suggested that black people were sensuous, you know, we're fond of sex, we're fond of food, and this is the reason why black people are constitutionally fat. Protestantism was important because it also suggested that overeating was a sin. And so there was this movement in England in the 18th century to encourage people to eat less for God. And in the United States, a lot of these rationales were starting to compound, right? So uh, in Europe, we had like the French race science, and then we had like the English Protestantism. But in America, they decided to combine these rationales Mm. and suggest actually overeating and fatness are both black and sinful. Ooh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I and I love this the part where you talk about the Irish and how the Irish a lot of times because of their bigger bodies were also like with Protestants and and yeah. the Catholics were like, you know, sinful and fat and all that stuff and and just feeling it and just knowing that Ireland had the potato famine and that people were starving and that that's how they justified taking their food because well you're a fat culture anyway like you're sinful and I mean so much of it felt so personal and also not at all personal do you know what I mean like it it really anything that I thought about fatness as tied to my lineage felt like blown up do you know what I mean it was like all of a sudden it had this crazy wide lens and how far it reached yeah I, w- I wanted to say that I as I was reading it I was like it it made such like it fell so perfectly into place all of the different elements and pieces and and all I kept thinking was We've forgotten this whole history, mm-hmm. and it is now so deeply ingrained in who we are and what we think about about race and about size and about everything else that it boggles my mind that you could even pick apart history in a way that allowed you to to elucidate like this this thesis. Like it's just like, how did you tell me like what made you go? What made you connect these dots? 
So when I first began this project and I was interested in slenderness in particular, what I did was I went to women's magazines and I thought, okay, well, women are often getting advice in the contemporary moment about how to look. And so potentially it was true in the early 20th century or even the 19th century that women were still looking to magazines to get advice on how to look. Um, and the very first iteration of this project, I was interested in the 50s and 60s because people often would ask me, what about Marilyn Monroe, right? So there was this movement from Marilyn Monroe to Twiggy mm -hmm. between the 50s and the 60s, right? Um, but it turns out when you look at the um, historical data, what you see was just this momentary blip in which women with slightly larger, larger bodies, you know, thick, Marilyn Monroe, be, Marilyn Monroe would be considered thick by today's standards, um, but not necessarily fat were prized, right? So I just continued to, to sort of dig back into the historical record, and then there was a moment in which I saw, I think it was in Cosmopolitan magazine, that the women were so clearly articulating a relationship between race and weight. I had not anticipated that. Hmm. You know, so they would say things like, oh, you know, she's a Scottish Highlander and she has, you know, the, the slender physique and the milky white skin to prove it. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't realize that Cosmo went in on the race science, but here it is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there anything that really surprised you when you hit it? Was there anything that really stood out like that you were like, oh, this is extremely surprising? The most surprising aspect is something that you've already touched on, Kathy, which is the tremendous amount of um, conversations surrounding the Irish. Mm. I was like, I'm looking into this history that to me seems very clearly black and white in the contemporary time. But when I started to dig deeper, I saw that the Irish weren't necessarily considered white at all times in mm -hmm. American history. When they arrived um, in some of the earlier periods, in the early 19th century, sure. But by the time that the famine hit, there was this real concern about these outsiders. Like, how do we integrate these people? They're not Protestants. Actually, we're not even sure they're white, right? And so that was the most surprising aspect of this book, which is that I ended up inadvertently becoming a scholar of Irish-American history uh, mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> because there was such a similarity in descriptions of the Irish-Americans and black Americans. Yeah, that's fascinating. You talk about race as a double agent. Mm -hmm. Talk about what that means exactly. I mean, it yeah. when I when I read it, I was like, well, race is horrible. Like the whole <laughs> the whole construction of race is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, I guess I had two two things that I that I was wondering about. One was the race as a double agent, but also like this idea that that fat black bodies are perceived differently or or more acceptable in black culture versus fat bodies in white culture. So those are two separate things. Okay. But <laughs> But okay. talk first about the racist double agent, and then and then we'll get into the. <laughs> I have so much I want to talk to you about. Like, like, it should have been a double have, episode. Like, it should have been a double episode. I have so episode. many notes, and I have so many questions. I'm like, yeah. I need to know. <laughs> We're gonna do an after video yeah. too, and y'all should become Patreons. Screw the French. Um, <laughs> to see this video after, it's going to be epic. Anyway. Okay, yeah, um, so these are great questions, Nikki, and I really appreciate them. Race as a double agent, what I'm trying to articulate with this particular phrase is to show that we often talk about racism 
and that we expect that we will find racism against black people, against other people of color, and that racism is leveled only amongst groups that are not white. What I'm showing is that it actually works two ways. Not only is race as a construct being used to degrade people of color, but it's also being used to discipline white people. It's being used to remind white people how they must not be if they hope to remain at the top of the racial hierarchy. Mm. So what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, but like, but like, but like, then you look at like how influential black culture is in dominant culture. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. You yeah. know, like what is I that? went to the ESPYs last night, and I will I tell mean, you, it was incredible. But it also was like a bunch of white people wanting props from back black people. I literally watched oh. it happen all night long. Like white guys wanted to be bros. They wanted to be down, yeah. and every time they were like, "What?" I mean, I saw so many white guys try handshakes, guys. It was really embarrassing. Yeah. But they, but it really was this thing on display. Like yeah. they, they want the cachet of black culture. I mean, they want yeah. it. They, they, it gives them some kind of boost. It's especially in LA. I think even more than New York. I think to be down. in, yeah. in LA. I, I just, I think the thing for me that that's so interesting is that black culture is so influential and so despised at the same time, yeah. and it's. And so what does that mean for fat bodies? You know, like, what does that mean for how, you know, if you are both being perceived as fat and unattractive, but also, like, fat and black and unattractive, and also you've got people who are, like, thick or even fat. you got Lizzo out here now sort of creating new standards yeah, for, going. you know. And yeah. so I'm, I'm – I, I have so many more questions than answers. I have no statements. I just, <laughs> I just, I feel like, you know, your book has been everywhere. Like it's been on NPR. You've been talking about it a lot. It's getting a lot of press. I feel like the time is so perfect for it because it is the exact moment in history when we need to hear this, all of, where all of these things like, yeah, yeah cross and, yeah. you know, and how they fit together. And so, and I think because you've sort of, made this book that is like so easy to read and so full of information i was like what do we do with this information now i want to use it let's break everything down like let's and so like what do you see like how do you see this book sort of getting to that and breaking down this history that we have and and how do we move forward now that you've shown us the history yeah, I think one of the main things that I want to do is to allow people to stop and think before they so easily suggest that fat is unhealthy. So, I mean, because this is what oftentimes comes up in conversations. Whenever people want to assert um, any type of fat pride, any type of self-acceptance, it's like, oh, well, but you know, it's unhealthy, right? And so part of what the book is doing is showing precisely how within the medical establishment, they picked up these very clearly racialized understandings mm -hmm. about bodies, also religious understandings, and that they were sometimes even citing some of these fashion magazines, like, oh, you know, the fashion magazines, they've really got it right. We really should try to get women down to a particular size. So part of what the book is showing is that science is not objective. Oh. We oh. wish that it were. <laughs> it was one of the biggest revelations when you were like, science does not affect culture. Culture affects science oh more than that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I when that was in black and white, and that and that's what's so 
scary, but in a way, yeah. it's the thing that made you research this book. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's always going to be tied. Like, where there is curiosity, there will be study, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the culture will bring up our curiosity. But the fact that it has gone so the other way, where like. Mm-hmm. We've talked to Dr. Linda Bacon, who I know you've talked about, and she's amazing. Um, And she, uh, what I love about her is that she says, you know, the she brings up the studies. She's like, study after study, they show it's not right. But then in their conclusion, they still go back to the same old. They still say, but you probably really should lose weight, even though all this data says the opposite like it doesn't have it's not conclusive weight is not a complete factor there's so many other things but you really should still be thin it's and she said that's like her biggest problem disconnect and i hope your book challenges those people who are teaching that really right you have to get the teachers on board oh my gosh when i was in the middle of writing this i was getting so many different types of pushback um actually i was working at um let's say a prestigious university, so we won't have to name names. <laughs> and there was a faculty member there who said to me that my work was dangerous. You know, like it's very important for us to remind fat people to lose weight. But fortunately, I spoke to another faculty member and we were just sort of like talking about like, where does this even come from? And then she said, I wonder how much science was involved even in the decisions to start using BMI in the first place. And that was the moment I was like, ah, this is what I want to be able to investigate. Because people often are unaware that something like anorexia, that is actually listed as um, a cause of death on a death certificate. Mm-hmm. Obesity is not, mm-hmm. um, because it's actually not deadly, whereas <laughs> anorexia is deadly. Mm-hmm. But there's so much terror surrounding being fat, mm-hmm. um, when in fact being fat is quite often benign. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, so there's really no reason for us to be so invested in trying to get people to a particular weight, because it's usually not the weight that's the issue. Right. Yeah. So that's and how you know that it's a cultural problem, not a medical one. Oh, mm. we have to take a break just for a second. I mean, honestly, who wants to? I need oh water because I'm like choking on, I- my own, <laughs> on my own saliva from wanting to murder things. <laughs> wanting to murder yeah. facts. <laughs> Why are people reading facts? I just want to, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, we did a bunch of fun videos for Fatch for um, Big Bitch Summer. Ashley Nicole Black did a really hilarious tweet. She's like, wow, there is so much fat phobia on my timeline right now. So why don't we just do Big Bitch Summer and tell us me what your plans are to lighten this up. So Fatch did a bunch. So we'll be right back. Ashley Nicole Black, Big Bitch Summer. Big Bitch Summer. Big B-I-T-C-H Summer. Just in case my mom was watching. We done been to pool parties. We walking around this bitch in bikinis cause you know what? I don't wanna die without ever wearing a two piece. I am wearing all of my favorite fat positive t-shirts that makes everybody around me uncomfortable. I'm gonna take up so much space. Like, I don't give a fuck about your diet, Susan. I wore my first ever two-piece and I'm so happy and excited. Like thicker than a snickle. And I'm gonna eat a donut and I'm gonna have a latte. You can get out of the way of my big B-I-T-C-H hips. We are here for it, bitch. Big bitch summer. Big bitch summer, yay! We are fabulous. Oh my god! I love when I'm surprised on my own show. I love when I love when I uh, edit videos that you don't look at before, before we put them it's on. It's been a day. It's been a day. You sent it late last night. This morning, I was like this. Oh, cut and paste. 
And I was just pleasantly surprised. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you about, um, I, and this is another thing that uh, Dr. Bacon discussed with us. Um, there's this weird push and pull because you are what we call a straight size person yeah. um, and you have this like fabulous authority and allyship in being a straight size person saying this, you in one sense are more likely to be believed than a fat person giving this information. And yet there is the fat community who is having a really big problem with body positivity being usurped for yoga practices and self-help, you know, wellness. And then they still just want you to diet anyway. So uh, and like dieties and stuff like that. So I wanted to talk to you about um, have you brought this to groups of fat women and what is their response? Because that. I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm wondering if your weight is actually an issue in people hearing what you're saying. Um, definitely. So when I was giving a talk about some of my more recent work, this was maybe back in March, uh, I was very clear at the time that I am a person who has thin privilege, right? Um, part of what I'm showing in the book is that thin privilege is intended to be an appendage to white privilege. And so it's, you know, obviously going to be undercut by racism in some ways, but it doesn't mean that I don't have it. Right. right. And so it does mean that people who might otherwise turn their brains off when a fat person is talking about fat phobia is actually so confused that for a moment they stop and listen. Like when I was working on um, this in the form of dissertation some years ago, I was advised by one faculty member that I should stop doing doing this kind of work and just tell people how to lose weight. And I said, so I would be the 100,000th person to start a diet regime. Um, how many more weight loss um, guides do people need? So, and, and also are you a my physician? Politics. Are you a physician? Well, no, but, yeah. uh, but as a thin person, I must be an authority oh on my. diets. And so why don't I just tell people how to be on a diet? And so I said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, Thank God. So for, for so many different reasons. But yeah, definitely, there are many different instances in which, especially if there are other straight-sized people present, they're going to be more likely to listen to me. Um, at the same time, I've also experienced some people who are very uncomfortable with me speaking about this because I am a slim person. And I try to remind people that what I'm talking about is not the contemporary experience of being fat, because that's not my lane. Right. Um, there are many incredible people at the forefront of that. You know, in addition to the two of you, we've got people like Jessamine Stanley and Sonia Renee Taylor and Roxane Gay. These are the people to listen to when we're talking about the contemporary experience of being fat. What I'm writing about is the history of relating fat phobia and anti-blackness. And that actually does have to do with me mm. because it was about all black people. Actually, it's a history about all American women. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that we talk about a lot is this idea that that being thin is not does not make you morally superior, mm -hmm. and you, t you. I mean, that's basically what you're you're pointing to that directly, um, with you know factual history here. That <laughs> right. like that like. So, what do you say to the people who are, who who might read this and look at the history and uh, the that the way that you've presented it and, and maybe think. She was looking for that, and so she found what she was looking for. Like, for the people who were like, mm. um, you know, no, we know that thin is better. And obviously, you know, like, what do you say to people who are like, you can create anything from history. You can create any kind mm. of and story. And gluttony is a sin. Yeah, the Bible says that gluttony is a sin. in the Bible that we should yeah. be, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to write the book if the information wasn't there for me to include. And part of what I tried to do was look at some of the most prominent people who were speaking on the topic. So, for instance, John Harvey Kellogg. We don't often think of him today as an important physician um, or even a seven-day Adventist. (laughs) Exactly, right? We think of him as this person who was hawking breakfast cereals. Right. But actually what he was very concerned about was reforming American women's bodies. He thought that American women were far too slender, and if they could gain just enough weight to make them the sturdy stock that they could reproduce the nation effectively, then he would be quite pleased. And so what I'm showing is that he wasn't just some fringe lunatic writing from the margins, but he was publishing in the American Journal of Public Health. He was publishing in the Journal of the American Medical Association. He had all of the esteem that a person would need to be recognized as an important scholar. So if people are unwilling to think about these things, there's nothing I can do about that. But the fact of the matter is I looked specifically for the most influential people, and those are the ones I included. So let me tell you why I asked that question, because it's a really fucked up question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The reason I asked the question is that I'm I'm so used to black women and fat women not being believed, especially, like I have a lot of friends who have PhDs and do all the scholarship, whatever, but I feel like my black female friends have to work harder to be considered valid. And so I wanted to ask the direct question so that if you're listening (laughs) and you was and you were like, whatever, they're just drinking the Kool-Aid. No, she works hard. She got a Ph and (laughs) D. She did all the research. (laughs) And so and I just wanted I just want because I wanted to ask the question because I am. It's so common to be dismissed because of the color of your skin or because of your size or whatever. And I just wanted it to be clear. Like, yeah. This is a legit historical analysis that has, I can't even conceive of the far-reaching impact it could have over time. And I am so excited that fat studies is a thing now because the people who are doing fat studies and race studies, like, oh, mind is blown and I'm so excited. Like I told, that's why I'm like, that's, I'm so excited about this book because it's so perfectly timed. And you know, obviously you were chosen for such a time as this. And I'm so, (laughs) I went biblical. Because uh, y'all, this book is the truth. Get one. Get it. (laughs) It'll make you feel real smart. Um, I want to talk really briefly about something that has been happening on our uh, Facebook page. Facebook is fascinating because Twitter and Instagram are totally different beasts. And Facebook is sort of where a lot of people feel like they have the most room to say what they need to say. And we've had this meme that we've put out there about uh, taking um, weight bias out of your talking about food. Mm -hmm. Like so... Basically, food is not good or bad. It's just food, and you eat it or you don't, and that's your choice. And trying to take the morality, like, quandary out of eating. And it has been shared with 220,000 people the last time I checked. It has, like, blown up, and people have a lot of feelings about it. Hmm. And um, this, this power of language within diet culture, like, how we now have not just made it about our bodies, but made it about like the actual physical thing we're eating mm-hmm. is a good or bad thing. And I was just wondering if you could speak to that. Did you find anything uh, or do you, is there anything that you can look to to sort of um, help us with, you know, like telling people, well, if you change your thought, then you wouldn't be sort of a product of the system anymore. 
You know what I mean? Because I think that that's really what the meme challenge is. I think as soon as you tell somebody the thing you believe isn't true, they're like, wait a minute. They're very attached to how they think about food. Um, Women especially. It's been like a crazy amount of women who have been like, I don't know if these girls know what they're talking about. We do know what we're talking about. I mean, it speaks speaks to the whole effed up question I just asked you. It's because people don't believe us because we're fat women posting information about fatness. And so obviously we have to be just cheering for cake because we're fat, not because it actually makes a difference, what you say. So like, it's it's just, so one of the comments that like, is like, you know, um, instead of saying I'm gonna be bad and have a slice of cake, you say, I feel like I'd like some cake and I'm going to have some. And people got mad at us for that. I I like all of them except for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like they need were cake mad. to be bad. Yeah. Why must cake be vilified? Yeah. And uh, well, so part of what I'm also showing in the book is that there's this long history of treating certain types of food as good, um, especially within the Protestant discourse. And so it's like if you're having milk and vegetable, this is good. Mm-hmm. But if you're having anything stimulating or too much sugar or too much meat, then this is bad. And so I don't think we should be that surprised to see that people are still doing that mm-hmm. because of what we were talking about before, the sort of like there's this unremembered history that we're just continuously participating in. And so people are simply picking up ideas from the past. Why cake would have to be the one, like why cake is the Alamo, like that they refuse to like yeah. allow cake to be, I don't know, valid, that's, that's particular, that's peculiar. Um, but I think people really want to feel like their lives have meaning. And somehow by being able to control the amount of food they eat and what they eat, it gives them a sense that they are superior. So maybe yeah. we shouldn't be that surprised that people yeah. are like, well, cake is bad and I'm good because I've avoided it. Yes, yes. yes. I That's think exactly I, I yeah. agree with that. Well, thank you. It went way too fast. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much for being here. Can yeah. you tell everyone where are the best places to find you? I mean, obviously, Google is a thing. Um, she's Amazon. Yes, she, Amazon. the book. Go get the book on Amazon. Go get the book on Amazon. Yeah. And also, you've been on several podcasts that we're fans of, and uh, they're really amazing and fascinating and different every time. So we study, girl. We study about you. <laughs> we learned all about yeah, you. But where, so where can people find out more about what you've been writing about and? Where do you like to pref- to write down your thoughts about uh, things? Well, let's see. I have a Twitter account. It's S-A Strings. Um, I've tweeted four things. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> it's like well, double the fancy. amount from my last Look at you. interview. I was like, well, I tweeted four things, y'all. Check me out. Um, so I'm actually trying to be more engaged there. Uh, I also have a website, raceandyoga.com, where you can check me out. We have a Twitter f- a feed, also Instagram, at raceandyoga. Um, but that's more or less it. You can Google me and you can check Are out you the book and other appearances. Things. Google her. Uh, <laughs> um, not that I'm aware of just yet, okay. but you know, I think more things as will be on soon, the horizon. As first of all, we're going to make one up. We're going to do a day and you're going to be there to talk to me. Like, <laughs> but, right? Yeah. Like we have to have a panel with you. We, if we really. can get Dr. Bacon and you in one room, oh. my head might explode. Oh. We'll work it yes. out. We'll work it out. Work it out. Um, and anytime you do, you have to let us know. Yes. Tag so us, be obnoxious. Yeah. We'll blow you up. Okay. In I would love that. Thank you for writing the book. Yeah. Thank you so, Thank you so, so much for having all me. Fat women, this has really been everywhere. Great. Yeah. Um, and next week, we'll see you at Plus This. Uh, oh, we're everywhere at Plus This Show. I'm terrible. That was a, the worst sign off ever. And also join the Patreon. Yeah, because we're going to talk more. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>